I'm Samuel Broden, an early childhood advocate with a lot to say. Here on Honoring Childhood, we will have candid, casual conversations on childhood. I'm ready to talk. How about you? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Honoring Childhood, the podcast. It's been a while. It's been a while. Um, but I'm so glad to be back, and I'm glad that everyone has been tuning in and listening and letting me know what you think. Um, I love all of that, and I've been excited to get back into recording. So we're back, and what a great episode to be back on. I am talking to my amazing friend, Mr. Willie. And I'm sure that if you follow me at all, you already know all about Mr. Willie. I'm sure you've seen our skit. I'm sure you've seen everything. Um, but we're going to have a really fun conversation today all about gender expression in early childhood. So let's say hi to Willie. Hello. <laughs> I'm so hi. excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Oh, absolutely. Of course. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, as if they wouldn't already know. <laughs> um, hi, my name is Willie. I, you probably know me as Mr. Willie Pre-K on Instagram. I am a preschool teacher. I have been working with young children for probably about 12-ish years. Um, I'm also a consultant, and I love just kind of talking about um why this this age group is so important why we need to work with them and why they can do so much more than what we like expect of them yes yes people like oh that's a whole that's a whole other <laughs> episode about why what people expect from children what they like think oh, they can and can't do um Oh, gosh, yes. Um, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking all about gender expression in early childhood. This is um, something that it is really, really important to me and is very important to Mr. Willie. If you follow him, you know that he does a lot of work um, around this topic. So I'm very excited to dive in and kind of get his thoughts. And yeah, let's just let's just jump right into it. So um, from your point of view, what is... Um, why is this an important topic in in the field that we work in? Because I feel like a lot of people um, don't really consider it to be something that we should be worried about or talking about or dealing with with uh, young children. So why why is it important for you? Right. So I think be I think there's so many uh, people that think about gender and they assume we're talking about like super complex ideas when we're just really talking about um, the fact that there's more than just um, the possible. I like to frame it in the the, the frame of gender stereotypes, mm -hmm. and so we have a lot of kids that are coming in our classrooms, assuming what they can and can't do just because they're a boy or a girl, right? Right. Like boys can only play with cars, girls can only play with dolls. Mm -hmm. I have um, the pink and blue conversation on the daily. <laughs> um, yes, but in reality, and for the people who don't think this is necessarily a topic that's super appropriate. By the age of three, most kids are already telling you what their gender is. You can ask them and they'll say, uh, I identify a boy, girl, non-binary, mm -hmm. somewhere, wherever they are on the spectrum. And then by age four, they're already making decisions based on that gender perception on what they are allowed to do and what they are not allowed to do. Mm. That's why we have so many kids coming into our classrooms that are like, I can only use pink because I am a girl or mm -hmm. you can't use blue because you are also a girl. 
Yes, I love that. I love that. I love I love these like facts. I love you always come with facts and I love that. <laughs> you always well, come with like this research and these facts and like it's I love it so much. Well, that's the thing, right? Because we have so many people who tell us that this is inappropriate, that this mm-hmm. is stuff we can't talk about. And so I'm like, hey, uh, no, we can talk about this, and this is why. Yes. Because it's happening. That's, that's for me, like, that's what it is. Like, it's happening. You know, the children are exploring these ideas um, through their play. And, you know, we notice that a lot. And for me, I think, like, first of all, when I first got into the field, years ago there was obviously obviously still is not but there was not very many men in the field and so that was already right. like um kind of something that i had to like fight against and then just being who i was as a teacher and as a person and being more effeminate and like just being proud of who i was and seeing the fight that i had to go through with some families and some parents about like why should this be in front of my child and all those types of right. things and so kind of dealing with that when I first began as a teacher really kind of pushed me to like want to talk about this idea more and want to like introduce parents to the importance of it even more because I always think about it like it took me such a long time in my journey to get comfortable with who I was right absolutely if if I would have had someone when I was younger three four five years old who was like yeah, do this. It's fine. Yeah, you can do whatever, all of that. It probably wouldn't have been such a hard journey for me, right? And so I feel like I want to be able to offer that to the children that I work with. And it doesn't matter whether or not they are going, they identify as cisgender or not, or whatever it is. Um, These conversations and that type of culture in the classroom is still, is still super important. Right. Absolutely. I mean, we like to, sorry, we don't like to, but we have a lot of people who assume when we're talking about even just like biology, that there's only like um, boy, girl, male, female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We always get the argument of the XY chromosome or the XX chromosome, when in reality, there's XY, there's XX, there's X, there's O, mm-hmm. there's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say there's XYX, there's an infinite possibilities of what that can be and we as teachers like to assume we know more and we assume that kids don't necessarily know these things Mm -hmm. and parents haven't already had conversations about these things with their kids Mm -hmm. that kids don't know that they might be intersex that they might be agender that they might be non-binary and really it's children have a right to see themselves in our classrooms. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to just forget about them or push them out mm-hmm. just because it might make us uncomfortable or might make others uncomfortable. Right. And that's such a huge piece too. It's like those things that we think about in the classroom that we, that we don't, that we don't allow quote unquote, or, you know, all those right. things like, why is it that we're doing that? It's always, almost always because we're uncomfortable with it or, we don't like it or whatever it is. Right. But that's, this is, it's not about us. No, it's about, not at all. it's about creating a space for the children where they feel safe in being who they are, no mm-hmm. matter what that is, because why not? Like, why would we not want to create that space for them? And why would we not want them to grow up knowing that 
whoever you are is okay and whoever the people next to you are is okay. Because even if the children are going to grow up and be cisgender and they're going to grow up and they're not going to have these types of, you know, thoughts or struggles in their journey, they're going to meet people who have. Mm-hmm. And being able to be open about it is going to help create a better world in general for everybody. So oh, absolutely. It's super confusing to me when people are so like up in arms about us talking about these kind of things because I'm like, what would you rather have? You would rather have children who grow up feeling ashamed of themselves or grow up feeling like they don't know where they belong. Why would you want that? You know, just to make yourself feel more comfortable because you're not talking about something that you don't understand or you don't agree with, which makes no sense to me at all. Well, and I mean, it's so ingrained in all the things that we do, Mm -hmm. Um, just in the practices that we're taught as teachers we automatically assume or um, address most children as boy and girls. When we're Mm -hmm. calling for them, we said, we say boys and girls, let's do this. Boys and girls, we're going to do this. Boys and girls, we're going to do this. Um, It's assumed in that materials are bringing into the classroom. There's, we've got um, dresses that are designed (laughs) for smaller girls bodies Mm -hmm. or, and we've got um, different, materials that are designed to fit certain children Mm -hmm. i've got a toy that i found the other day that um if anybody wants to head over to instagram you can see a picture of it yes but it's a little magnet it's a little magnet set and it's a um it's a two kids um i would have assumed boy girl Mm -hmm. that's how you would uh, label them um they're in different poses there one of them has their hands um on their waist and their arms are kind of blockish while the other one has it a lot farther down. So their um, arms are more of a triangle. And because of that shaping, not all the clothes fit on both bodies. That's and insane. It's very, <laughs> and the clothes that do fit on the bodies are very gendered. Mm. All the, all the like dresses and more passive, like clothes and pretty clothes fit on the girl's body while all the superheroes and all the construction workers and all the like career positions mm-hmm. fit on the boy's body. That is literally so insane to me. Like, <laughs> and it's just like looking at that, like that, what kind of a message is that sending to these children? Because it's like, okay, it like, I, I can't be those things because I don't look like this picture or whatever. Right. Right. Which is like, why are we, why are we still, perpetuating that same idea of these gender roles and who can do what. And even in that, even in that, the fact that the clothes don't even fit, the fact that they changed, the fact that they changed the body types to seem from what I, from what I saw and from what I hear, it seems to be like the body types and the way that they're posed is also more, masculine and feminine on mm-hmm. each one like the one for the superhero with the boy has the arms like where a power stamps yes and then the girl's more like uh-huh. like like her wrists are even her hands are even turned out she's not actually holding on her wrists her hands are out oh her God. wrists are on her body oh she's my kind of God. posing. No. <laughs> well, and it's here, here's the thing it's all about the fact that us as adults need to address the biases that we have yes because we're just yes. reinforcing it we need to look at the stuff we're bringing in i did a low-key experiment last year with my um, <laughs> district with my staff members I talked to them and I had them fill out a survey 
where I gave them random biases. And mm-hmm. I was like, um, boys do this, girls do this, boys. And I had them put how true or how false they felt that everything were. Um, one of the more interesting things I did on that, though, was I put little vignettes where I put something like, here's one of them. I wrote, Kai is a four-year-old child. During circle time, they stood up, kicked the child next to them, um, and sat back down. Mm. No gender specified. Mm -hmm. And I even tried to do a a very gender-neutral name. Yeah. And 43% of the people who answered identified them as a boy. Wow. 20% identified them as a girl. 4% as non-binary. Um... And 8% as no gender specified, but within that binary of boy or girl. Wow. Another one I did was very similar. I said, Rain is a four-year-old child. During cleanup time, Rain picked up all their blocks, put them on the shelf, then went and sat at the carpet to wait for the next direction. Only 26% of people identified that as a girl or a boy. 44% identified that as a girl. Wow. 6% identified that as non-binary and 10%... Um, identify them as no gender specified, but within that binary. Wow. And it's just like, and it, it, all I was trying to see is what people's first image was. Right. Was when right. they saw these, when they saw these pictures mm-hmm. is what was your first image? And I'm doing that because I want people to realize that despite what they're saying, they might be doing, we have these biases and it's okay. Here's the thing. This is going to sound controversial. It's okay <laughs> to have biases. It's just the fact that we need to recognize that we have them so that way we mm-hmm. can address them and be conscious of them as we're doing the work we do. Well, I think that's such a huge part of it. I feel like people feel very attacked when we say these things or when we say like about about anyone's bias or whatever. Like they feel very right. attacked. Like, well, that's not who I am and that's not what... Okay, well, every everyone has bias because... Of the way we grew up, what we saw, what everything, mm-hmm. our experience mm-hmm. creates mm-hmm. different biases because of what we've seen and done. The whole, the important part of it is, especially in the work that we do, is recognizing those and working through them so that we don't bring them into the work that we do and we don't pass them on mm-hmm. to these children. Um, right. No one's here saying, like, you're a horrible teacher if you say, no, absolutely boys not. and girls, let's go, because... I've I catch myself all the time saying things oh, that absolutely. I'm like, oh man, I I need to change that because we're so conditioned to to use these gender terms in our classrooms all the time. Right, boys and girls. If you're a boy, go line up first. If you're a girl, do that. You know, all these types of things that we say. Even the one that I struggle with the most still is, um, come on, you guys. Yes. I was going to say that. That's the thing I use and all the time. And the one that I use it all the time. And I continually have to like stop myself to try to find a better way to say that. Um, because it is. It's all about the language that we use. Because the children are going to model what we do in the language that we use. And so mm-hmm. if we can get rid of this like idea of gender roles, gendered language in our classrooms. Um, that's such a huge piece of it. Because so much. I mean, just like you said with those toys. Like. So much of those things, so much of all of it is gendered. Like, Mm -hmm. if you go to just, like, a classroom, you'll see, like, a lot of the things in there are still gendered. Like, especially in, you know, the the dramatic play or the home living area. Like, that is where we see a lot of this kind of gender expression with the children. Um, 
where we get really, really uncomfortable because God forbid they don't play a role that they should be playing, quote unquote, right. where the girl is here cooking the dinner and the boy is going off to work and coming home and, you know, doing all these right. sorts of things. Um, I just find it so interesting because I find it so interesting that even today, like it still is so much that way. And I feel like sometimes when we're in like this, like circle of people who all think the same as us, sometimes we feel like, okay, everything is better now because all the people that I talk to think the same way, but then you go and you see these things and you're like, no, this is still such a huge issue. And Mm -hmm. when I was working, um, as like a quality coach and I would like use different rating scales mm-hmm. like Eckers and things like that. Right, right. Even parts of those things in there, like for the dramatic play for that, you to get a good score on like the, the materials and the clothing and dramatic play. It mm-hmm. literally says like, you have to have a certain percentage a of boy clothes and girl clothes. Mm-hmm. And I literally was like, this is a, this is a rating system that people use to rate the quality of their classrooms. Mm-hmm. And it's saying this in there. And if that mm-hmm. is still there, we have a lot of work to do. And something I want to jump on that I think people are really afraid of is there's nothing wrong with a cisgendered boy wanting to identify with boy things and wanting to do stereotypically boy mm-hmm. things. Same with cisgendered girls, same with somebody who's non-binary, all across the spectrum. There's nothing wrong with that. And we're not absolutely not saying that you need to run into your classroom and challenge every single thing that a child <laughs> does that identifies somewhere upon those mm-hmm. the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. My goal in doing all this is just to give children possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's for them to understand that they don't have to do that stuff if they do not want to. Yes. Yes. And just really giving them the, like you said, you can do whatever you want to do, right? Um And I feel like it's very interesting because I feel like so much of this conversation is people being ignorant as to what the things actually mean, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Especially with the idea of take, take the boys in your classroom, right? And usually if they're playing with something that is more typically for girls, um, the parents, the dads, maybe more will get really upset because they think that because the son is playing with this certain toy, that that means something about who he's going to be. Right. And I think that that's such a huge misconception where it's like, none of this, honestly, none of this means any of that. Like the children are exploring different roles that they see in the world and they should have a space where they can kind of explore those, you know, without judgment. And, it's just so interesting how, how people's minds work because, again, back when I had started working, like that was a thing that I had a few of the parents say was that they didn't even want – they requested that their children be taken out of my class because they were afraid that I was going to make them gay, Yeah, which is literally absolutely. like laughable absolutely. now to me, but – That's the way it thinks like, okay, well, if I walk in this classroom and I see that you're letting my son put on this dress, well, now you're going to, that's, you're telling him that he should be gay or now he's going to be gay or now he's going to be this. These things don't, they don't connect. Those, those two things don't have anything really to do. He's just exploring what that is. Who even cares? Really? Right. No. And I mean, and I think that's about addressing your biases again, because Mm -hmm. Even if that was what that means, why is that an issue? Exactly. 
Exactly. Why is that such a problem? And for me, it was always like when I had those parents say those things to me, I was like, I would fight really hard to keep those children in my class because Mm -hmm. I'm like, if this is the message that they're getting from home, which is where they get so much of their messaging from, Mm-hmm. They need some place like this that I'm creating to give them a different kind of message. And the parents need that too, you know? And I would never, when I tell that story, people always say like, oh my God, you probably wanted to fight that dad or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, maybe at first. But once I think through it, I'm like, no, I really want to figure out and help him to figure out why do you think that way? Mm-hmm. And let's try to shift that way of thinking, right? So that because that's the whole Absolutely. point of what we do, right? Is, is trying to open people's minds and mm-hmm. and get people to to think differently than the way that we were taught. Because, right? If you think about it, a lot of the ways that we were taught and a lot of the things that happened to us when we were children, like probably weren't the best, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, and so it's just all about thinking thinking it through that way too. But it's just it's it's so interesting to me to hear like the arguments against like this type of stuff, because it's really goes all about, it goes back to what's making the adult comfortable and what's making them uncomfortable. Um, which really right. is, that's a personal problem that you need to figure out for yourself because that's not the children's problem, you know? And we are just continuing the cycle of gender stereotypes and gender roles by, by not doing any self-reflection on ourselves and trying to figure out how to move past what we think to bring a really non-bias to our work. Right. And I think it's really interesting to see also the kind of things that, um, and this is completely non-judgmental. It's just really interesting to see the things that people have gendered. Um, I had a student a few years ago who, um, who identified as a boy who brought in Valentine's cards because we did Valentine's day. Mm. And um, the way we do it is I kind of walk around with them and they put one in each um, envelope. I don't have them put their the other students' names on them as much as just their own name. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we have so many kids and it makes right. it easier. <laughs> um, and he had one left over. So I gave it to him. Um, Next day, I had Grandpa come in and get mad at me because I had given him one of the girl cards. Oh my the girl card was an owl that was, like, green or something. It was a very weird, for hmm. me, perception. It didn't make any sense to me. But it just, for me, it's interesting to see the things that people gender. And I think just being able, as teacher, as educators, being able to kind of understand that it might not fit into our, our, our frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Just being able to willing to have these conversations with parents, have these conversations with caregivers, and then um, apply, just being prepared to apply it within our classroom is huge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely takes, I mean, you, you really have to be brave. And I, I say that a lot, but you have to, because, you know, these are, these are things that we're advocating for the children, right? And it's not always going to be easy. And there's going to be a lot of people who don't agree with, with it or who who have a problem. And so it's all about being willing to just stand up and explain it and, and give space for open conversation and really try to help people understand why they're thinking this way, 
why it might not be the best way for their children to see mm-hmm. or hear or think and try to just help them to understand a little bit behind the reasons of what we're doing, of why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it's so the things that are gendered. And I, and when you said that about the card, it made me think back to like when I was a kid and I'm sure they still do it, but like you'd go to McDonald's, right. And you'd, they'd ask you like, do you want the girl toy? Oh, or the yeah, yeah. toy, Right. And I would always want the girl toy. Right. And that was such a problem with my dad, like such a problem. Right. And we don't have enough time to get into the relationship with my dad, but, (laughs) but like that, like those types of things, like why are, why are we, why are we gendering like random objects? Like who cares? And then the whole thing about the colors, you know, like, um, there's that really great book. It's like pink is for boys or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, f- I think that's what it's called. It's over there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I really, really love that book. But what's funny about it is if you think back or if you actually look back into history that mm-hmm. pink was actually first known as a color for boys, mm-hmm. um, which is so funny to me because everyone is so like pink is for even the ki- the kids all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, oh, no, I don't like I can't like pink. I don't like pink. Right. Pink is for pink is a girl's color. Like, I think, what even yeah. is that? It's a color. Like, it's literally right. Right. What? <laughs> uh, I think, and then I, I want people to recognize that we're not saying to like run and try to change everything right away. You can make very simple totally. changes or very simple things every day that start conversations. Mm-hmm. I paint my nails. Yes. I walk in to classrooms and I walk in as a sub te- sub teacher sometimes in the classrooms, mm-hmm. and kids ask me all the time. Why are your nails painted? You're a boy. Yep. And my response is, well, are they painted? Or they, they, sorry, they say, you're not a girl. And I say, my nails are painted, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm a boy, right? So that means I can do it. Yep. Because I've already done it. Yes. And it's just super simple conversations. They don't have to be long-winded conversations. Mm-mm. Just super simple reinforcement of the fact that gender is okay. It's okay to play it's okay to play with gender. Yes. And even I think that, at the stage. And I think that that's a really important point is that with a lot of the things that we talk about, people always assume that it's like this thing where you have to like, okay, everyone come sit down. We're going to have this really deep and long conversation about pronouns and gender and all this. Right. Um, when it's really just finding those organic times to have those conversations, mm-hmm. like with the nails. Um, mine are not, well, no one else can see this. I'm acting like people can see our video, but my nails are not done, but usually I get my nails done and I get like acrylic nails and mm-hmm. all painted and stuff. And so that's a, that's a thing that we talk about a lot. You know, I talk all the time with the children about Perry, my husband, and we talk about that all the time. And mm-hmm. we just do these things in conversation so that all of these things just seem like it's not a big deal because it isn't right. Um, right. And I think that that's the best way to, to go about any of this, you know, like not running into your classroom on Monday and like taking away all the colors and putting every and calling everyone they or, you know, any of these things that like or asking all the children sitting down, like, let's all talk about, you know, it's it's really just about number one, really doing that self-reflection piece and really mm-hmm. thinking about your bias and where it comes from and what it mm-hmm. means and how to work through it. And then just working to just create a culture in your classroom that is more supportive. 
And you can do that in so many ways with, with the organic conversation. Um, If you're just, I shouldn't say just, that sounds bad. But if you're a cisgender teacher who doesn't really understand gender expression or never really did that yourself, like you can, you can bring those types of things into the culture of your classroom with pictures of families if you ask for pictures, I'm sure that you're going to find diverse families in your group. Put those up and talk about them. I see mm-hmm. so many times people getting like those diversity packs of pictures from somewhere oh, and like, posting them all around, but then they never talk about them. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever gets done with them. You know, they get these diversity library books never touched on the shelf. You know, if you're going to use these materials, like put them in your classroom and use them. Um, but honestly, we already know what I'm going to say the number one way to do this is. And it's in conversation. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. It, like it really is. Like you said, with the nails, with whatever it is, just being open about yourself um, and letting the children be open about themselves and just having that open conversation. And when these things come up, because they will, then that's when you can have those organic conversations about like what what this classroom is about and what we, what we do in here. Um, And it doesn't have to be something that's super um, stressful. And like, you have to like Google a bunch of stuff and like research a bunch of stuff to have this huge conversation with them. Just be honest with them about it. And if you're confused about it, be honest with them about that too. Um, I feel like we always think as like adults, we have to like know all the answers and the children are expecting us to know all the answers, right? but they're just really expecting us to be honest with them. And so if you don't understand, then say that you don't understand. And if you want to take them on a journey to figure it out. Exactly. Figure it out together. Um, I think adults are just afraid. We're afraid afraid to to be wrong. Afraid in general, I feel like with so much of this, right? Mm -hmm. But honestly, just, just think about your own bias and your own thoughts around gender. Think about how that can affect the children that you work with. And think about ways that you can just create a culture that's just more supportive of everybody. Because absolutely, whether or not you have a child who is exploring gender in your class, whether or not you have a child that is going to be outside of the binary, outside of the heteronormative, whatever, they're going to know somebody that is at some point in their life, they probably know somebody now. And so it's like, we need to create a culture that all of these things are okay. And that everyone deserves to be treated with kindness, no matter who they are or what they do. Um, right. Cause obviously we haven't been taught that as children, because look at what an awful world of people we have right, right. now. <laughs> and we should be wanting to change that. That's what we're trying to do. Right. Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. I love this. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Um, so obviously, Willie and I could talk for like three hours about all of this. Oh, um, but we're going to uh, we're going to stop it here and let y'all kind of digest all the stuff that we said. Um, but I'm going to let Willie give us a little talk about where y'all can find him, what he's doing right now. Um, because he's amazing and you all need to hear about it. Tell us, tell, tell the people where they can find you, Willie. 
Um, you can find me at Mr. <laughs> Willie underscore pre-K on Instagram for where my more formal stuff is. Twitter is where my spur of the moment thoughts pop up. Mm. Um, apparently I have a Facebook page, but nothing goes on there. Oh God, uh, I never do my Facebook page. Um, I have a, a website. It's uh, MrWillyPreK.com. Again, nothing really goes on there, but there is a contact form. Actually, yes, there will be a contact form on there for nice. you to email me. Let me know what you're thinking. Yes, I love it. Contact me. I love talking to people about this stuff. Oh, my gosh. I say that every time. I'm always like, please send me a message. Please do something. I love to talk about this stuff. Right. Um, so, yes, everyone go follow Mr. Willie. Let us know what you thought about this conversation. Let us know if you want yes. to talk some more about it. Um as always, be sure you're following us on Instagram at Honoring Childhood. Um, if you have an idea for the podcast or you'd like to be on it, there's a little link in the bio. I love saying that. Um, go ahead and click on that. But yeah, and be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. Um, so you can get all the latest episodes. And yeah, follow us and let us know what you think. And yes. we'll see you guys next time. Oh my gosh, I just said you guys again. See? <laughs> Bye, friends. Bye, folks. There we go. Honoring Childhood, the podcast, is produced and edited by Samuel Broden. Owned and operated by Honoring Childhood part of the Broden brand.